And they've got Keely Small in their sights. As we come into 100 metres to go, the gap's not as big as it was before. Smart trying to hold on, but Keely Small, here she comes. The ACT athletes found another gear. And Melody Smart might get swamped here from the Queenslanders, but Keely Small, Keely Small, there we go, 209-61. Smart just holding on to the silver medal. Looks like Lara Crouch may have taken bronze. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name's Sam Burke and today we are chatting with the talented Keely Small. If you enjoy our podcast, then please take the time to leave a five-star review and subscribe. Before we dive into our chat with Keely, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Wildfire Sports and Trek, your one-stop shop for all things running, hiking and outdoor adventures. Shop Asics, Innovate, Ultra, Saucony, Gingy, and many more specials gear brands online at wildfastsports.com.au. Keely Small is Australia's fastest ever junior 800 meter runner with a PB of 2 minutes 00.81, set at only 16 years of age whilst racing at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. A prodigious talent, Small has a whopping eight junior Australian 800 meter titles to her name, not including all schools. She also won numerous junior Australian 1500 metre titles, as well as medalling at every single junior national cross-country championship up until the age of 17. Loaded with talent, Keely suffered an L5 stress fracture in March of 2021, just when her Olympic campaign was heating up. After considering her future, Small has signed recently with the Oregon Ducks and will depart Australian shores in January of 2022 to follow in the footsteps of Jessica Hull and chase her glory in America. We caught up with Keely and dived deep into the decision to move to America, her injuries, training, and heaps more. This episode is brought to you by Runner's Tribe Massage Guns. Runner's Tribe spent six months finding the best massage gun for serious runners. It's super powerful, amazingly quiet, and about half the cost of equivalent machines sold elsewhere. Try it for 14 days and return for a full refund if you are not 100% happy. Check them out at runnerstribeshop.com. Keely, lovely to have you on Runners Tribe. Um, News came out a few weeks ago about your move to college next year, running for the Oregon Ducks. Um, Congrats. Um, I have a bunch of questions. Can we start with... When did this process start? And, you know, when did you first decide to make the move? Uh, yeah, well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, Oregon has obviously been something that's happened lately that's quite exciting uh, for me and my journey as an athlete um, and as a person as well. Um, but I have been – I've built a pretty good relationship with Oregon over the past sort of three years. Um, they contacted me when I was leaving school um and so I've been chatting with them for a few years um and always been in a position where I've had them as an option um and I'm very thankful that they've sort of left that door open to me and built that relationship and started off with pretty much after Com Games and Olympics the focus was quickly shifted to Tokyo and at the time of leaving school it wasn't the right time for me to go to college um but yeah after that I sort of got injured this season and then I sort of was looking at where I wanted to be as a runner and I was looking at the Olympics and I realized that I'd want to make the Olympics but I also want to be competitive at it and for me I think at the moment uh the college system is what is providing those opportunities for me 
Right. Okay. So just backing up a bit, they contacted you when you're in school, um, and then and then you kind of you didn't use Philo or an agent to kind of communicate. It was all just you communicating with a head coach or with a recruiter or something. Yeah. So it's pretty much just me, um, sort of over Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, just seeing where I was at with training and they were very open to chatting about what my options were over at college and um, yeah at the time it wasn't right I was pretty pretty settled here and I had a really good group around me and Philo who's an amazing coach and is still going to be a massive mentor and coach to me while I'm over there Um, but I think once you get older and you start doing senior races and you realise you need a lot of support to be able to make it to the level that you want to and bridge that sort of gap between juniors and seniors, um, which is unfortunately really hard to do here in Australia. Um, And then, yeah, when that opportunity came back up again when I was injured and they reached out again, um, sort of took it and spent months of writing pros and cons lists of um, what to do. And um, I'm pretty happy with my decision to go and I'm excited for the opportunities that's going to come with it right you say the word support like it's a it's a vague word in many ways like how specifically will um Oregon in your you know in your view give you the support that you need to make it to you know the next Olympic Games and the next Olympic Games after that yeah um it's a hard one because unfortunately and everyone knows this that's in the athletics world in Australia like it's very hard to make a living out of being a runner um and unfortunately, in the season that just passed after I had run, what, I won the Albie Thomas Mile and won, um, got a 407 at Zadapak and a few pretty good at two-minute 800s. Um, then I got injured and the whole season I was actually not on any of the support system here, um, which was re- really hard. Um, and then when the injury happened and I didn't have access to a physio, that sort of side of it, it became really difficult. And then you sort of look back at it and when you're trying to bridge that gap to a junior to and a senior, you realise that those little things are really, really important um, to sort of get to that next level. Um, and the reality of qualifying here on Australian teams, unfortunately, is that you need to travel overseas to get races. And as a 20-year-old with part-time job, trying to be a full-time athlete, it doesn't quite pay for a European or American sort of circuit. Um, and it it's difficult because you're trying to live a professional life with nothing around you being professional. And um, I looked into college. I talked to heaps of my friends that have been at college and they're still over there. And I became, yeah, I realized that it's probably where I need to be at the moment. And I'm lucky enough that I had a really good relationship with Oregon that's continuing to grow and their support system over there and their environment is second to none. Then I know that it's going to help me move my running to the next level. Did you chat to uh, Charlie Hunter or Jessica Hull at all before, you know, as you were going through the decision process? Yeah, I had a few conversations with Jess about it. Um, I actually ran a long run with Jess not that long ago um, and had a bit of a chat there. That was when I wasn't really knowing what to do and that was sort of before the season started. Um, And, yeah, the here and there when I've been trying to weigh up different things, I've talked to them because it's definitely they're people that you – you look to for those sort of things because they've been through the system. Um, but yeah, they've, they've always been sort of those people that you turn to because they know exactly what it's like. Um, and they've been really good and really helpful with me trying to make a decision. Uh, inform me, um, a bit naive, probably a bit outdated maybe, inform me on the eligibility um, 
process, um, how you are you eligible, uh, and how all that works. Yeah, this is um seems to be the thing that's confusing a lot of people, especially online at the moment. Um, but the the bottom line is I wouldn't have been able to sign with Oregon if I wasn't eligible to do so. Um, but essentially, and I'm pretty lucky that Oregon knows the ins and outs of it all because I was I too was confused at the start of it. Um, but new NCAA, NCAA ruling is that if a college athlete um, can make money now off their name, image and likeness. Um, so endorsing brands come under that. So I'm still lucky that I get to work with my sponsors um, and continue that over to college in, in Oregon. Okay, cool. Um, it's a no-brainer, right, when a college looks at you and your talent and, and what you're able to achieve as a junior that you have what it takes to, you know, potentially win a an outdoor NCAA, NCAA title. How do you think you will handle kind of the racing demands of, of, you know, of the NCAA? Yeah, it, it'll, it'll be a new experience and one that I'm excited to be a part of. Um, I'm lucky that I've had a few international races, um, the Com Games and Youth Olympics, where I've had that sort of experience of high-level racing. Um, and it's something that I've always wanted to keep doing and I'm Fortunately, races here in Australia, they're very low key. Um, you don't get the same sort of atmosphere that I hear people who have gone over to America and they describe the racing as something that's second to none. And um, that started to really excite me. And I sort of lost the love of racing going through the system here and racing just track classics and things like that because it's it's not the same. It's you, you, you train for a race, a couple of races a season, and then if things don't go your way, that's it for another year. Um, and I've always enjoyed things like cross country. My off seasons are sometimes more enjoyable than track seasons because I enjoy just getting out and doing cross country races and to have that opportunity as well over there. And it's exciting to also be part of a team and a team that is so good as well. Um, heaps of the girls over there are such good quality. Um, and it, yeah, it's just going to be really cool to run as a team as well. And I think that new environment and having those races every couple of weeks that are such high level, not only is going to help me to make, still make Australian teams and give me those opportunities to hit certain times and hit qualifying times, but also enjoy it as I'm doing it. Cool. Let's, um, let's head back. When you were 18, sort of your last year in high school, um, you, you mentioned before that you were, you know, against the idea of going to college at that stage. Why were you against it kind of then? Um, I think at the time, obviously, since Com Games and Youth Olympics happened in year 11 and then I was trying to make the world's team um, when I was in year 12 and that didn't quite happen because I got an injury. Um, the focus sort of quickly shifted to making Tokyo um, and the pl best place for me to be doing that was to be here um, with the racing opportunities, the support I was getting at the time just leaving school I don't think I was ready at the time to move overseas um, and I had everything pretty much set here and the trajectory that I was sort of heading the direction I was going was 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 positive um, and then obviously when I got the injury that's when I sort of started thinking about other options because obviously Tokyo would have opened a heap of doors um, in terms of racing and getting um, funding to do races and things like that um, and when that didn't happen, I sort of had to sort of reassess what I had going on in my life um, and work out where I'm going to be best for my running. 
Your coach, Phil O'Saunders, he's obviously he's one of the most respected coaches in Australia. Um, he, you know, he helps athletes, anyone out that wants help, he'll, he'll help them. And his, his knowledge is amazing. What's his opinion of, of this whole process? You know, how is his opinion of this change from 18 to now? Or has he just been supportive? Does he have a strong opinion either way? Uh, he's a legend of a guy, first thing first. Um, and I think anyone in our training group can vouch for that. Um, this he he's known about everything the, the whole time um he knew when I first started talking to Oregon um he actually went through the college system um over in the U.S. so he knows the ins and outs of it all um and he was always of the opinion when I left school that um where I needed to be at the time was here um and that's where I felt I needed to be as well and that was always an open conversation of where I wanted to be um and I have full trust in his training um, and full trust in him as a person to get me uh, where I need to be. And even if I stayed, like, he, he'd be able to get me to the level that I want to. Um, but it's just sort of those racing opportunities and things like that that I can't get. Um, but, yeah, one of the hardest decisions of this decision to go to Oregon was, of course, the training group and Philo. Um, and they're all so supportive of me going um, and agree that it's going to be the best place for me. Um, and I think it came down to... The fact that the squad is a lot more than just training partners. Um, they're my closest mates. They're second family to me. I spend most of my time with them. And, yeah, we go to training and we uh, train a, yeah, train the house down. But outside of that, like, we meet up and we're, yeah, closest friends. And it's the same with Philo. What I value more than having him just write my programs is he's a mentor, he's a mate, he's a training partner, and he's someone that knows me and has watched me grow as an athlete and a person and, I'm never going to lose that by going overseas and with any of them, even the training group. And once I'd chatted to Philo and a few of the boys in the group um, and I knew they had my back with the decision, I knew that I was in, I was making the best decision for myself. Do you do many of your sessions with Philo at the moment? Yeah. So now that he's back um, doing a heap of sessions, I'm not as fit (laughs) as him at the moment, but um, it's good. It's, it's, it's a lot different to having just a coach standing there with a stopwatch. Like he knows exactly how you're feeling in a session. If someone's feeling bad, he probably is as well. And it's really good because then he knows exactly how you're feeling. And it's, it's pretty cool to be able to run with the coach. Just out of interest, the head coach in Oregon, Robert Johnson, I think his name is, um, have you had, is it him that you've been communicating with directly or an assistant coach or how? Yeah. Um, yeah. So mainly Helen Lehman Winters. Um, so she's the she's an assistant head coach, um, mainly looking after the girls' side of the team. Um, and she's been she's been really good, and I'm really really looking forward to working with her and the team. This is probably something you haven't actually thought about, but maybe it is. The concept of value to an athlete is something that you know people don't talk about much, but but maybe they should, you know. And looking at what's happened with Jessica Hull. Um, you know, who's obviously she won an NCAA 1500 meter title and now she's she's on a contract with Nike. That concept of value when you leave the NCAA system, does that come into you know your discussions with Philo and with your family, or is that something that is kind of so far away that you haven't really you know discussed that? Yeah, it's ob- obviously something you discuss because I think I know the capability of myself as a runner um, and. Obviously, it's very hard to make a living out of running in general, but um, the best place to be in a position to do that and have those opportunities after college um, is to be in college and sort of 
grow through that system and be in a position where you can then sort of have those opportunities come to you. Uh, we uh, did a podcast with Charlie Hunter about four or five weeks ago. I don't know if you listened to it, but I mean, I, I got like four stress fractures just listening to it. Um, how is his training, you know, when you listen to that and how hard those guys train, does it, does it freak you out at all that you're going to go over there and get injured or is it something that you think you're totally, um, your body will just be able to handle? Um, yeah, I definitely did listen to Charlie's, um, uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was, yeah, it was awesome to listen to, um, to sort of get that inside of what the training is also like. Um, I've been lucky that Philo's already chatted to Helen, um, about where my training is at and my training in the last five years. And, um, I'm in a position as an athlete and with my age where the training isn't isn't going to really be an issue like I've I've had injuries I've had my fair share of them I know how to deal with them um and you don't know what's going to happen you don't know when you're going to get an injury um but I've built up a pretty good base um I'm lucky that I'm one of those athletes that do really well off a lot of k's and do well off a lot of training um mainly because I also enjoy it I enjoy going out for a 20k long run 25k long run um so I'm lucky that over the years that I've been with Philo and I've built up sort of that base that's going to put me in a pretty good position to then be able to go into an environment where it is professional and where it is um, going to be quite intense. But, um, yeah, I have no doubt I'll be fine with it. Yeah, you, had a, you were running really, really well in kind of 220 in early this year. We were following you closely. Awesome start to the season and people were getting pretty excited and then – and then you, you know, you posted to Instagram uh, that injury struck. Talk us through that injury. Uh, it was an L5, a lumbar, lumbar uh, five um, injury, stress fracture, probably. I, I assume. Talk us about that. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a hard one, and it was probably the worst timing possible for an injury to happen. Um, and it is probably one of the most uncommon injuries for a distance runner to get. Um, L5 spine fracture it ended up being um is normally caused from extension and rotation which is something that you don't do when you're just going for a run um so that was quite hard to wrap my head around um but yeah unfortunately I was hit with a pretty bad injury um and it was at a time where I didn't quite have enough races under my belt to sit comfortably with points for qualifying for Tokyo um which was hard to deal with because after sort of the season ended, I realized that if I just kept my form and where I was at, I was in a pretty good position to make the team. Um, but yeah, so I ran a 1500 here in Canberra. Um, and that's where I first felt it in the cool down. Um, but that was two days before the Sydney track classic. So I sort of put it to the back of my mind and was like, you can deal, deal with that later. Like you got to get through a 802 days time. And it's your back. It's probably just, <laughs> I don't know, some muscle issue that I've got in my back. It's like when you have a, um, a shin stressy, which I've had a couple of um, in my sort of early junior years. And you know that pain, you know that you go for a run and you get that pain in your shin and you go, oh, that's probably not good. Need to back off a bit. It's a, it's a different sort of pain in your back and it's not one that you pick up as a red flag. Um, so the next day, so it was the day before, uh, Sydney Track Classic. I went for a jog, uh, just a 5k jog around a really flat part of the lake here in Canberra. And it, it hurt, but it wasn't unbearable. 
So I was like, oh no, it'll be fine. Um, got through a couple of strides after that and it was it, it was hurting. Um, but I was like, if you can get through 5K and a couple of strides, you can get through an 800, just two laps of a track, you'll get through it fine. I did get through it really in a lot of pain. I ended up still running a 203, so it was it was good. But yeah, it wasn't good afterwards. Um, I remember I just felt sick with the pain um, driving back to Canberra that night at about two in the morning. Um, so yeah, it was quite unbearable, um, but I, that's sort of when I knew something wasn't right. Um, and the whole injury ended up being worse than what we initially thought. Um, initially first scan, thought it was a reaction, obviously had scanned it a little bit too early, wasn't healing how we thought it would, Rescanned it another couple of times, throw a few CT scans in there, ended up being a full fracture. Um, and healing was really, really minimal um, because, of where, because of where it is on your back um, and loading. With a shin injury, uh, you get six to eight weeks of rest and you can start loading it really easily um, because loading sort of stimulates a bit of repair and bone being laid down. Um, with your back, because you're not allowed to run and because of the extension issue, you can't do that. So it's very hard to load it gradually when you can't really do anything. And I absolutely hate bike. Um, so I found it very hard to cross train. Um, but I also wasn't really in a position where I was going to go to Tokyo. So I also didn't really see the point of cross training. And I struggled probably with the mental side of the injury a lot. Um, it's hard because I was devastated. Um, obviously having Tokyo, something that you've been working towards for four years, just not happen because of something that you couldn't control. Um, it was a lot to deal with as a 20 year old. And I was at a point where I was pretty ready to throw the towel in with running. Um, I was quite content with what I'd done and I'd sacrificed a lot of stuff. And I was like, eh, like this injury sucks and I don't think I could go through it again. Um, and I think I was just mentally and physically burnt out and realized I was probably trying to compete as a professional athlete in a non-professional environment since the age of 15, um, which is a lot to deal with. Um, but I was very lucky with my support network around me that saw me probably at my absolute lowest and at my worst um, and were there the whole time and are the reason why I'm back running um, and are the people that brought college back into my mind as well um, and have been full, full support of it. Yeah, um, that was great. Great. You know, that was awesome to hear. Not um, obviously the, it wasn't great that you got injured, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you had <Yeah>. four, <laughs> I'm assuming you had four to five months off, right? What did, what did you do? You, you said you went cross training March. It was hard mentally for you. So what did you get up to? Yeah, I decided to take a full break from running and take it completely out of my mind. And I ended up building a camper van in the process um, oh. because one of the things that I've always wanted to do is travel Australia. Um, and so I spent about five months building a camper van, which unfortunately I haven't had the chance to really take away yet. I was supposed to be away at the moment, um, but it's something that I can always have and it'll always be there. And um, when I come back every now and then from college, like it'll be something that I do. And yeah, it took my mind off, off needing to run and sort of that empty space, which people don't really talk about when they get an injury. It's like you spend most of your day revolving around a two-hour little session. What are you doing post? What are you doing pre? Um, and when you don't have that, 
it's really hard. And so I ended up also taking the semester off uni because mentally I was a bit burnt out. Um, and so I really just have been taking sort of this second half of the year to be obviously better mentally, but enjoy a few other things in my life that I haven't really had the chance to. Um, and yeah, which is basically build a camper van. <laughs> you mentioned before, like the huge sacrifices and missing out on stuff and, you know, do you, did it, did it kind of cross your mind? Like the whole college move in many ways, is kind of hedging your bets, right? Like, cause you, you might be over there just having the time of your life. And even if disaster struck time and time again with repeat injuries, it's like, you're probably still having awesome time. Yeah, it was, it wasn't just a running decision. It was a, where I think I need to be as a person and to be able to grow. Um, and college became that option. Um, and I don't like to say that, like, obviously injuries happen for a reason. Um, and I didn't want this to sort of be the reason that I miss out on Tokyo, but if it works in my favor, then that's okay. But, um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to other things other than running, especially over there. Like, I get to continue my degree that I was doing here. I get to see another part of the world. I've only been to America once on a Flagstaff, Arizona training camp, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so it's being able to see another part of the world. And the good thing is I was looking at it, and obviously you've got Com Games next year and you've got Worlds in Oregon, which will be awesome. Uh, um, and I could be in a position to obviously make it. Um, I'm getting slowly fitter. Um, so by the time qualifying comes around, like I'll be ready to go, no doubt. Um, but if I did stay here and I was running well, but because of the system over here, you don't quite have enough points and I'm not quite running a 159 qualifier, which is <laughs> very, very difficult. Um, if I don't make it, it's sort of the be all end all um, over here for the year. Um, but if I'm over there, it's not the be all end all. You've still got NCAA chance. You've still got a whole cross country season. Then you've got indoors and then you're back for another outdoor season. And I think it's going to be the place where I'm going to need to be. And um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, um, last injury question, I promise. The, uh, <laughs> did you, have you guys analyzed kind of NL5 injuries? Kind of weird. I've, I've definitely met a bunch of runners over the years that have had you know, sacral or lumbar kind of um, fractures and then it's happened again and again. It's like, did you guys analyse your biomechanics and weaknesses, possible weaknesses or whatever, and then is there stuff you're doing to rectify that? Um, yeah, so I think the injury was a lot of different factors. We haven't quite been able to pinpoint exactly what it was. Um, the difficult part of it was when it happened, because I wasn't on the support system, I had lost a lot of data um of my training log um which was quite unfortunate because we couldn't go back and see the graphs and see where I had flagged a bit of a niggle um or where my load had gone up too much and could have been what was crucial in stopping the injury um but aside from that I I am generally quite weak on my left um my left hand side um it's where I've had all my other injuries um basically because it's the inside of the track um and the gym that I do is really good and it keeps my left and my right side quite equal and we do strength testing here at the AIS um to sort of figure that out um but when I go into sort of a peak race period obviously you back off your gym a little bit and I think that may have been enough to sort of make my left sort of fall off a little bit um obviously may not have been the full cause um but obviously a factor I do 
think maybe running a lot of reps in different pairs of shoes that offload offload your calves a little bit um, might have been a little bit of a factor. Um, obviously, if you're offloading your calves, the load goes up your leg a little goes bit up. more. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is why maybe people are seeing more sacral stresses and things like that. Um, but I'm I'm someone that tends to run in more neutral shoes anyway. Um, so I've gone back to basics <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, little things like that. And I it's, it's unfortunate because we don't quite have an exact reason why it happened, which is hard because now I'm like, oh no, like hopefully it doesn't happen again. I don't quite know how to pre- prevent it from happening again. Yeah. But um, it's, it's all healed up now, which is good. I think it's a such a good point you make though, right? Like, you know, I think the first impressions is you see these shoes with huge stack heights and think you, and you, you think it's safe and it's it's just um the load is still there it's just getting shifted hey yeah it definitely is um and it's going to be something that everyone's going to have to get probably used to because every single brand is going to be creating these shoes and they're great <laughs> they are awesome um but yeah i think if you're doing everything in them like i was for a period of time like yeah. you don't like there's obviously not enough studies done on them but you, yeah you yeah. don't know where that load is then going yeah um when you're a teenager you you obviously ran an australian under 2800 record two minute and 0.81 um it's like it's not hard to see you dump in like way sub two minutes right but also 1500 yeah you're getting a lot stronger where do you see your future um i, lo- I love the eights i do um but Personally, I think I see myself as a 1,500-meter runner. Um, I enjoy it a little bit more. Um, I think the way that I run a 1,500 probably has, yeah, a little bit probably better than an eight. Um, just with the way that it's going, 800s tend to be full gas sprint, um, which is great. But you also need that in a 1,500, and you also need the endurance part of a, in the 1,500, and that's my strength. I'm quick. Um, I can run a pretty good 800, but I also have a pretty good endurance side and I can run a 16 flat 5k. So it's like, I think that's where I'm seeing myself, but I'm lucky that I'm still young and I can do both. And I think I will do both for a while, but I think I'll tend to maybe go out into the 1500s later on. Um, I haven't been able to see what I can do over 1500 yet. Uh, That 407 at Zadapec was the first 1500 I'd run in three years. And before that, my PB was 418. And that was before I ran a 201. Um, and then obviously with comms and youth Olympics, everything was just 800 focused. And so was sort of my training. Um, but I'd be keen to see what I can do over 1500 because you even look at Lyndon Hall, like she can run a f- four flat and sub four and she can also run a sub two. So the training does go hand in hand, um, which is good. It means you don't really have to focus on one. You can sort of do both. And I think that's something that's quite exciting. It'd be easy to look at uh, Australian women's 1500 meter running right now and think, shit, you know, it's it's a bad time to be taking on that event. But <laughs> yeah. I guess on the on the flip side, right, it's like you all, uh, Lyndon and Jess and, and Georgia, are, are going to push you to 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 get to your best, right? So um, it definitely it's definitely not a stretch of the imagination to see you up there, you know, um, posting Olympic qualifiers over 1500. Yeah, clearly. A question about, you know, how hard you train as a kid, you know, the, the people are always arguing, right? You know, should should athletes of your talent um, be working so hard when they're 15, 16? Should they be saving it for when they're 20, 21, 22? What are your thoughts on that? 
Um, it's it's a hard one because if you have the potential at a young age, like there's no point holding back a little bit. Um, and I'm I'm lucky I had people around me that were very supportive and knew when too much was too much. Um, so I was never really overtrained, um, which was good. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard because I was always compared to you know the Georgie Clarks, the people that have been burnt out by the age of 20 and this injury made me think I was <laughs> one of them um but yeah it's it's not and I'm just very lucky that I've been able to pull through from the age of what from the age of 10 like I'm actually undefeated in my age group in 800 since under 10 nationals which not a lot of people know um Damn, but yeah. <laughs> yeah um but yeah I've just I've been in the right hands and I think when I moved from my junior coach um, to Philo at the age of 15, that was when I realised I was probably in very, very, very good hands. Um, there was no going to be no chance of a burnout. Um, Philo is unbelievable and his knowledge and his care for his athletes, are, yeah, is so up there and I was just very lucky to have yeah. that. I think a lot of people can be in a situation where they can get burnt out. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't, which was good. And he's obviously built, um, you know, in a huge aerobic base in you, right? You said before you love, you know, going on 25k runs, which, which is cool. And so it's not as if he's just absolutely smashed you on the track and and burn out any hope you have of a future. <laughs> nah, um, he hasn't at all. Um, and I'm only running five days a week. Um, I we worked out ages ago with my other injuries that I need two days of bone recovery days. Um, just to make sure that I don't get sort of any injuries. Um, so are they Monday, been... Monday, Fridays or? Monday, Friday off. Yeah. I just do gym on those days. Just gym. So cool. it's off, off running days. Nice. Um, what's your favorite session? Favorite session at the moment. Um, at the moment, I'm liking a lot of threshold sessions. Um, we do this session called 2040 where it's 20 seconds on 40 seconds off. Um, 40 seconds on 80 seconds off and you do that six to 10 times and you mean float um, kind of 40 are these, is that a float or is it legit off yeah, yeah so it's float. float yeah yeah float um which i like because the 20 seconds you're trying to hit your 800 pace so you got a bit of speed in there and then the 40 seconds on you're sort of hitting just above threshold um and then your offs are like close to threshold um so you get a lot of good volume but you also get the speed part of it um and you can depending on how you're feeling you can do only six sets and it's sort of it's doable and then you can push it out to 10 if you're feeling really good um and then in terms of track sessions I'm all for the good 20 by 200 (laughs) that's probably my favorite um they're off usually or um 130 cycle um and I think my best session I did that was over in Flagstaff in Arizona and I was holding 30 to 31 seconds uh, for 20 of them. Um, that's when I knew I was in good form. At altitude, <laughs> at altitude yeah. At altitude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Keely, before I let you go, how cool is it having legends like Jared Clifford and, and Rogues in your squad? Uh, they're obviously good friends to you, but... You know, they're obviously kind of huge characters, very motivating people to have around. How much has that helped you? A lot. I don't I don't like to get their heads too big, but um 
they're absolute legends. And when I was 15 and looking into Philo's group and they were always people that I looked up to, Rogues and Cliffy were two of two of my idols in a way. And then now that I'm best mates with them and training partners, like it, it's, it's awesome. And the amount of work they put into their running um, and just them as, as people, they're insane. And it's, it's never always about, one person in our group it's it's about everyone and we all get around each other and it's good because if you have a good if you have a bad race you come back and you get the support from them and you just yeah it's it's insane nice Keely, it's lovely to chat to you uh i would love to catch up again once you settle in at uh in college and, and see how things are going and uh take care